Hello, this is episode 10 of season 2, and this episode is about stairs and garages. Now, it may seem odd to group these two items or spaces together. However, often the design of each of them can be related, and how they're designed can drive the rest of your home's layout. So let's get started on learning more. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Stairs and garages. Now, as I said before, whilst it may seem odd to put these two items together, there are a few things that they have in common. Firstly, of course, they don't need to go into every home. If you're renovating or building a single-storey house on perfectly flat land, there's going to be part of this podcast that's not relevant to you. Also, not everyone necessarily wants to or needs to build a garage. Secondly, stairs and garages actually need to be a certain size to work, to even be worthwhile including. And thirdly, this is probably the most surprising, is that how they're designed and where they're located can be the starting point for the rest of your home design. So I'm going to tackle stairs and garages separately. And as I normally do in this podcast season, I'll be taking you through the other four Fs and I'll also provide you with some mistakes to avoid and design tips to help you get it right. So let's start with stairs. Of course, remember we start with the fifth F, which is feel. Now, you may not have an idea about how you want your stairs to feel. So as you learn more about stairs in this podcast, just keep feeling in mind, because I think it will start to become evident to you once you understand more about stairs generally. So let's talk about functionality. Now, stairs and staircases, of course, perform a pretty important purpose. They physically connect one level of a home to another, be it across a split level or across two stories of a home or between inside and outside. Unfortunately, though, that's where a lot of staircases stop. That's the job they do and that's the only job they do. Stairs are great for other functions as well, for really impacting how your home feels, how it can be lit naturally and how it flows overall. Because what do you do when you first see a staircase heading up to the second story of a home? Chances are you will look up it. A staircase provides a visual connection as much as a physical one. And this is a huge opportunity that can get lost in a lot of home designs. Staircases can perform a really important function of opening up a home visually. They can mentally create that impression of scale and space and volume, even in very compact homes. Staircases are also a fantastic opportunity for performing as a light source, both during the daytime and at night. There's really few places in a two-storey home, unless of course you actually cut an open void into your floor plan, where you get that opportunity to see openness through two storeys of the home, or to borrow light from the upper floor and to bring it down into the lower floor. 
So stairs can perform an amazing role in bringing natural light into the interior of your home from above, into the guts of your home on the lower floor where spaces that are in the centre of your floor plan don't necessarily have access to windows and to natural light and would be really dark otherwise. So think about natural light in your staircase. If your staircase is on an outer wall, of course, you can put windows in it. Then think about how you want to create those windows. Are they going to be operable or fixed? Do they need to be an obscure type of glass for privacy or can they be transparent and grab a view of outside? You can also think about how you position the windows based on how you're going to experience that view or light as you move through the staircase. So will you put the window higher in the staircase so that you get privacy whenever you're walking through the stair void but you can see sky through that window instead? Or do you actually want to connect visually with the outside as you move past the windows whilst you're walking on the staircase? If stairs are fully inbound and they have rooms the whole way around them in your floor plan, then look at how you can top light those stairs and perhaps put a skylight in your roof to bring natural light from your roof level down through that two-storey void. If you combine this with an open balustrade design and even an open staircase design, it's amazing. You can actually have a huge light well in your home that can bring natural light from above into the darkest parts of your floor plan on the lower floor. Now, when it comes to orientation, your staircase can really have any. And of course, you should consider how you'll manage the heat in them if you're placing them on an orientation where they're going to get direct sun. The benefit of stairs going over two stories is that you can actually use the roof itself to light them naturally with skylights. So don't think that they actually need to sit on an external wall with windows if you're struggling to get your planning to work that way. It's worth mentioning too that stairs can include other things as well that won't actually hinder their performance as a staircase or prevent you from meeting your building codes. Now I'm going to pop a link in the show notes and on the blog to the Undercover Architect Pinterest board for stairs because really some of the things that you can do with staircases they need to be seen to be believed. There are study nooks, there's gorgeous children's cubby holes, there's library bookshelving, there's storage drawers, wine racks and lots of other clever options. And these will, of course, have an impact on your budget and your design overall. So if you want your stairs to have this extra level of functionality, design it in early because often it will dictate how that stair actually needs to be designed and arranged and constructed. And that will also impact the floor design and your drawings and your construction budget overall. Just don't get stuck with thinking that the only role a stair performs is to get you from A to B, from your lower floor to your upper floor. You know, whether it's between a small level change within your home as the way to get from inside to outside or between the two stories of your house, stairs are a great way to create another fantastic experience and space in your home and help your home feel great overall. So next, let's talk about flexibility. So flexibility when it comes to stairs is really in the design of the stairs themselves. And as I said, where stairs are located in a floor plan can actually drive the whole design of the home and how the stairs themselves are arranged can really change the floor plan too. Now, when I'm designing a split level or a two-story home, the stair location and arrangement, it will be one of the early things that I start with. And it's amazing how shifting it around and changing the configuration of the stairs will open up a world of alternative options for the design overall. There are lots of variations 
suggestions for how a stair can be laid out. You may have a simple run of continuous treads in one line, or you may have a stair that turns 90 degrees as an L or returns on itself in a U, and it may have a flat landing at a halfway point, or you may have winders which help you turn corners in less space. You know, perhaps you change each side of that U shape to lengthen or shorten it depending on what you have going on around it in your floor plan. You know, play with how that staircase is designed and laid out and see what it does for your floor plan overall. Next is furnishability. So stairs themselves, they have certain requirements and many of these are actually driven by building regulations. There's certain rules around the width of the staircase, whether you need landings, about providing a balustrade and the type of stair treads that you can create and their size and how tall they are. And of course, when we think about the furnishing of staircases, this really refers to the types of materials that you choose. So stairs can be timber or tile or metal or carpet. You know, I've even done glass stair treads in one project. Then consider next how the balustrades and handrails are going to be included and what type they are and what material they will be and how will they make the stair look and feel and function overall. Finally, let's talk about flow. So where you put the stairs in your home can change how the stairs feel, how they need to be designed and their impact on your home design overall. So consider these different ideas as an explanation. You could locate your staircase close to where you come into your home from either the front door or from the garage. And this means as you leave from and arrive into your home, it's easy access to get upstairs and downstairs in the home. And it also means that you have the opportunity right near the entry of your home to open up the volume of your home via the stair void. So remember, stairs invite the eye upwards and they can bring light down into the lower floor. And entries to homes can sometimes be quite compact areas because you're dedicating space and spaciousness to perhaps the living and dining areas at the rear of the home and other parts of your home. However, putting a staircase near the entry can really enhance spaciousness immediately as you walk in and arrive in your home. Sometimes it might work out better for you to locate the staircase more near the main hub of the home. So perhaps it runs upstairs directly from the living kitchen dining area. This can help you locate it more centrally to those spaces and it can also then become more of a feature in those spaces as well. But consider though that noise will actually travel through a staircase. So if it's located near the noisier parts of your home, then noise will obviously be able to travel more easily upstairs. And this may or may not be an issue for your home design, depending on how you plan the upper floor around that staircase as well. Now, this leads me on to my last point for flow. Consider how the stairs can truly open up a home through what you place at the bottom of the staircase and at the top of them. In a two-storey home, you'll often find that the upper floor is mainly closed rooms, so bedrooms and bathrooms. If you're including a living area on the upper floor, it can help to locate it at the top of the stairs because when you have an open room, even one that you can actually close off if you need to, as you arrive at the top of the stairs, it can help in quite a few ways. So one way it can help is this. It actually gives some breathing room at the top of the stairs and that will help the stairs feel more spacious and the upper floor feel more spacious and the home feel larger overall. And the next way that it can help is that it can bring natural light from that upper floor 
floor living space downstairs via the stair void and then that can help light the lower floor plan as well. Even if you're not having a dedicated living space upstairs, just creating a zone or a bit of extra space, like I said, that breathing space at the top and at the bottom of the stairs could just be a landing space with a a chair in the corner, a little bit of a library space or a reading space or a study space at the top of the stairs because then that moving up and down your staircase won't feel like you're being sort of spat in and out of quite constricted areas in your floor plan and that will help with the general feeling of spaciousness in your floor plan overall. Now let's look at a common mistake that I see homeowners make when it comes to stairs. A big mistake is not designing stairs accurately at the design concept stage really early in the piece. Look there's no way of cheating it. Stairs they need to be a certain width and they need to be a certain size to work. And the stair treads themselves, they need to satisfy building regulations as well. And if you're fudging it from the beginning and designing your floor plan around incorrect assumptions, it can really bite you when you find your staircase needs more room. So determine early how big it needs to be, how many stairs you'll need in it, and whether you want it to contain storage or any other items so that you can design it accurately from the beginning. My big design tip for stairs is this. Play with the location and the design of the staircase and see what that does in helping you change the overall layout of your home design. Whether you're working with a designer or you're doing it yourself, if you can play with some different locations of your staircases and also different configurations of your stairs themselves, you'll be amazed what it does in terms of freeing up your uh, opportunities with the floor plan overall. You know, a straight run of stairs will provide different design opportunities and take up a different amount of room to one that turns back on itself. And I find that when I'm designing a two-storey home, playing with the stairs can actually be the key to cracking the design overall. And in fact, when I'm working with a client to fix the floor plan that they've had done by someone else, it's usually in changing the staircase design and location that I'll find improvement in the design overall. Now, let's move on to garages. In episode two, when I spoke about living and dining spaces, I mentioned some research done by the University of California, and it was published in their book, Life at Home in the 21st Century, 32 Families Open Their Doors. Now, you may have recently seen an article published on domain.com.au, which summarised some of this research. Even though this research was done a few years ago, I've seen it doing the rounds on some websites lately. And this article on domain.com.au had this quote, The garage is the new junk drawer. Only 25% of garages in this study could be used to store cars because they were so packed with household overflow. Family members said they were storing their stuff while deciding what to do with it. Plans to recoup the cost of unused items by selling them online or at a garage sale rarely materialised. Now, I'll pop the link to that article in the show notes. It's actually a really great summary of some of the key research findings from that study that was done. And look, that comment about garages being the new junk drawer of our homes, it's it's scaringly true. And the last thing when you're building or renovating that you want to do is to spend money in creating secure accommodation for your cars and then it being so cluttered with stuff that you can't actually fit your cars in. So think now, you know, what can you do to avoid this happening? in your future garage space and home. So let's think now about how we make our garages work the way we actually need them to. Firstly, let's look at functionality. So, of course, the main reason for a garage is to provide secure accommodation for our car or our cars and to also enable us to get comfortably and undercover and securely from our cars into our homes. However, a two-car garage 
it's essentially larger than the living space in our home. So it is possible, you know, when you're building something that's that big and you're giving your cars more spaces than you're giving your family as a living room, that you get it to add more value to your home. They can add great storage capacity to your home for larger items. So things like camping gear, sporting gear or the lawnmower. I find though that homeowners can go overboard in this area though because they increase the floor area of their garage for storage capacity. So the garage actually becomes a really dominant element in their home overall. It can seem easy to create extra space in your garage and like it's fairly inexpensive space. However, if you're dealing with council restrictions that relate to your maximum building footprint or your maximum floor area, you know, weigh up what the best use of your area allocation is and the allocation of your budget overall. Now, in terms of orientation, a garage is best located on the southern or western side of your home. In fact, if I'm designing a new home, I literally look at where the southwest corner is and that's ideally where you want the garage to go. Now, of course, that's not always possible given what your block of land might be like, what its current orientation is and where the driveway needs to go. So if your garage needs to go on the northern or eastern side of your block and your home, just consider how you're going to get northern light over it into the house in other ways or find ways that we've discussed in other episodes, especially in season one of this podcast. I went into this in quite a lot of depth with tips about how to get northern and eastern light into the living spaces of your home. You know, the saddest thing I see on floor plans is when the garage has the best spot in the whole house for sunlight and nothing's been done to make the other spaces in the home feel great. Now, garages can also perform in other ways if you really access their flexibility, which I'll talk about now. So can you make a garage space flexible? Well, I think you can if you can plan ahead. You know, one design idea that I've been using recently and that I've seen turning up in a lot of projects is this idea of the showroom garage. And this is where you actually finish your garage to a slightly higher finish than you would ordinarily. So, you know, traditionally garages, they'll have a concrete slab on the ground that's unfinished. They'll have their internal walls and they may or may not be lined. And the same thing with the ceiling. And they'll often have basic fluorescent strip lighting and a pretty basic fit out, if anything. With just a little bit more spend, you can actually do a few things to include this idea of the showroom garage. And so this is where the garage can then double as a party space or an extra living zone or a teenage retreat and really be a flexible area to add to your house overall. One project that I've actually done this in recently is the renovated Queenslander cottage that's on the Undercover Architect blog as a project diary. Now, because that garage is on the lower floor and it can access city views, it also sits adjacent to the garden. What we did was we actually added glass sliding doors to the side of it that enabled that garage space to open out onto that garden area. The concrete floor has been finished with epoxy, which was actually quite low cost and there's a built-in kitchenette with some space for a bar fridge. The lighting that's been fitted out in it is recessed downlights and the ceiling's slightly higher than a standard garage. So it works as a secure garage. However, if the owners or the future owners want to throw a great party, you can take the cars out of the garage, you can keep the garage door closed and then the space becomes an amazing living zone with sliding glass doors and a city view and a garden to spill out into and internal access into the home. Other homeowners will have hobbies such as woodworking or other things and they'll need the garage to double as a workshop. So think about how you will need to create flexibility in your garage. You know, what will you need to do and what can work for you if you pull the cars out and you use the garage space in other ways that you might want to? And what does that mean in how you choose finishes 
and the way that you fit it out and the size overall. So next, let's look at furnishability. So the main furnishability component of a garage is really the storage. And there are lots of ways to store things well and in a space efficient way. So for example, something simple like hanging bikes on the wall. Plan this out for your needs and have a look around at what's available. This is also where the stair and the garage relationship can come into play. So I mentioned that planning those two out together in your floor plan can actually work in your favour. So for example, if you locate your staircase next to your garage, you can create understair storage that is actually accessed from your garage space. And that's a super functional way to really maximise the efficiency of this floor space and be able to use every square centimetre of it. If you have a look at the Anderson Project Diary on the Undercover Architect blog, you'll see that the design for that home was done that way because we really wanted to keep the floor plan as compact as possible, but we needed decent storage space in the garage. So I'll pop a link in the show notes for you. Now, next, let's have a look at flow. So when thinking about flow for your garage, this is mainly about how we walk into our homes from the garage space. Because the garage itself, it can really only go in a couple of locations on a site based on where your current driveway access is. So in thinking about how you get into your home from your garage, what are you ultimately seeking? You know, many homeowners, especially women, tell me that they don't want to have to walk too far with shopping to get it from the car into the kitchen. And I also spoke in episode seven about how helpful it can be to have the laundry located near your garage so that you can dump dirty or wet sports gear or other items on the way into the house. Think too about storage near the garage. So a coat cupboard, a bench seat to sit on to put shoes on and off, some shoe storage, you know, all of these things can be helpful to integrate. They don't necessarily take up lots of space and they can either be part of the garage space itself or in those spaces nearby as you walk into the home. Think too about how you want to enter from the garage into your home and what you want to be seen from the home itself. You know, I try to create an airlock of sorts between the garage and the house or at least tuck the garage entry out of the way from the main house hallway circulation. Now let's chat about the main mistake and design tip that I have for garages. So the main mistake that I see, especially in brand new homes and in project homes, is that the garage is too narrow. So a car park space in a supermarket car park is generally 2.5 to 2.6 metres wide and about 5.5 metres long. And you know when you're parked alongside another car in a supermarket car park, what a tight squeeze it can be to get in and out. And if you're pulling a baby or a toddler out of a car seat or kids are climbing out of the car with school bags and their gear, that can be even more challenging. So check your floor plan and make sure that any dimensions you're looking at are actually the internal dimensions and that they're measuring clear space within the garage. And also check the height of the garage that it'll be suitable for your vehicle once the motor for the garage door is in place as well. Because most garage doors are driven by motors that actually get surface mount to the garage ceiling and so that motor will sit lower than the garage ceiling and slightly lower than the top of the garage door. Now my main design tip is to be careful about walking through pantries and other similar spaces to get into your home. As I said many homeowners tell me that they want to get direct access from their garage into their kitchen so they don't have to carry groceries too far. So they'll put their pantry as the walkthrough space into their kitchen and in fact into their home in order to achieve this. However I want you to picture this scenario. You're coming home with a carload of kids and a bootload of shopping and the kids all pile out with their bags and their gear and you start unloading 
shopping. And if you're lucky, the kids are helping you take it in. It gets put on the floor of the pantry, which is in fact your circulation space into the house. The kids are straggling or perhaps they're bowling themselves into the house. They're banging their school bags into the pantry shelving. They're stepping over and on shopping bags. And it's not a huge space and it's a lot of people and activity to get through and into the home. You know, the kids have got dirt on their shoes and you come last, you're gingerly picking your way over the bags that are all laying about strewn on the floor. It doesn't sound great, does it? I do think it's worthwhile to create convenience in how you get from your car to your kitchen. However, I prefer if the main circulation in and out of your garage is dedicated for it. So it's actually a clear path and it can handle that throng of activity. So consider how you can incorporate that into your planning and still keep your kitchen and your pantry space close enough by that it's convenient for you. Lastly, I did want to mention carports. You know, sometimes it's not necessary to do a fully enclosed garage space and sometimes a carport is a better choice for your home and for your budget. We can be led to believe that a garage is the only choice and I think especially in Australia it's kind of conditioned into us. However a carport can be super functional and it can provide car parking space as well as storage and most councils they only require a carport to be 50% transparent in order to be deemed a carport. So this means that you can actually turn one whole wall of the carport into enclosed storage. You know almost like a thick wall of shelving that might have a wall on the back of it and doors on the front and that can be on one edge of the carport space. Some councils will even allow you to put a battened or a semi-transparent garage door on a carport and this means that you can still create physical security just you won't have visual security. A carport will often be far less expensive than a garage to build and it doesn't necessarily need to be attached to or designed into the house itself so that may actually help you stage it in your build and your budget overall and it may be a better choice if you're juggling options for your place. So that's it for stairs, garages and a little bonus on carports. Now I hope you found that helpful. I find that these garages and stairs they often get thought of after the rest of the house design is locked in and the other spaces are prioritised. However as I said earlier when I'm designing especially a two-story home I'll often start with the stairs and the garages first so especially in accurately determining the size of them so I know what I'm dealing with space-wise for the rest of the floor plan once those two things are locked in. Now in the next episode I'm going to be jumping into your outdoor entertaining area and depending on where you live this will go by a huge variety of names you know it might be called your alfresco, your deck, your patio, your terrace, your outdoor room and it's not always on the ground floor either. So I'm going to be sharing some information too about pools. Here in Australia we are blessed with a great climate for lots of the year that really enables us to make our outdoor areas like another living space of our home. So I look forward to having you here next episode to learn how to get it right in your outdoor living areas. Thank you so much for joining me here at Get It Right with Undercover Architect. If you're wanting to learn more about how to design a home, I've actually created a special five-step e-guide to get you started. It's free and you can get your copy now. It's called How to Design a Home, Five Simple Steps to Getting It Right and you can head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash home design to get your free copy emailed straight to your inbox and I'll put that link in the show notes. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please head to iTunes and subscribe because that way then you'll be the first to know about new episodes and you'll also help others like you find out about this podcast. I'd really love it if you could leave a review too, please, because it'll tell iTunes to share this podcast with other homeowners like you. 
And if you have friends or family planning their future homes, please let them know about the podcast as well. Everyone who is renovating or building can then get support in getting it right. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time. Bye. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.